the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bar Podcast. Not outclassed. Once on mass. Get it on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bar Podcast. Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is episode 120 of the show that's still looking for Russell Coughlin's penalty on the roof of Normid. On the buff this week, there's a love letter to Marlon, we want Fossey back and Everts getting our hopes up. Burner wow, why Bolton Wanderers are better than Real Madrid. Call of Duty, do we really want to send Fleetwood down? And I tell you why I once chased Nigel Rio Coco around the outside of the Premier Suite. But first, let's, well, let's hear from Aaron Morley. Before I came, I think we had a, a bit of dip in form, but um, in January, we, I, I think we went something like eight, nine games unbeaten, and it, it was just it was just a great to be a part of, and hopefully we can sort that for next season as well. There we are. That was nice, wasn't it? An impromptu appearance from a werewolf as well in the, in the background. Um, before we get started, uh, before we get started, a quick mention on how you can subscribe to the Bolton News this summer uh, and and the impending arrival of an exciting and exclusive advert-free app. Um, I'm telling you, listeners of The Buff, get ahead of the pack. Sign up for your first month for £1. It's £4.99 a month after that. That's 21p a day. It's a third of the price of an actual newspaper. You'll get loads of exclusive articles, loads of features, interviews, podcasts this summer. We've got loads of Wanderers content coming. You get all your advert light stuff on the website. It's faster loading. Believe me, it's so much easier to, than all those pop-ups. Uh, and then if, you, if, it, if, it's, if it floats your boat, you get loads of puzzles and reader offers as well. It might not do, but Wanderers should float your boat. Or else, what are you doing listening to this podcast? Uh, you get loads of exclusive stuff we've got planned. Um, and soon, as I say, we're introducing this special app, which gives you even quicker access to all the Wanderers news, go to theboltonews.co.uk backslash subscribe or follow one of the many, many links that I've got on social media, especially it's pinned to the top of my Twitter page. And now it's time to introduce a man who I introduced to Sam Allardyce on Friday and who asked him a question that he'd never been asked before. It's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so I feel good. I feel great. And it, just remembering that from the other day, oh, it's just it was. It, I, I went to a wedding on Saturday, following Man United fans. They'd all seen on Instagram and Twitter, I posted the picture, and they went, "You looked really happy." I said, "Well, it's, if you'd have met Sir Alex, you'd have felt the same." It's Big Sam, and yeah, I asked him that question. I don't, I don't know. Shall we? Uh, shall I tell you what? Well, sh- you already know, but should I reveal what the question was, or should we try and get some people to message in? Uh, what it could have been trying to guess. I mean, I can knowing the buff audience and the emails that I get on a regular basis, you may not want to subject yourself to that, Henry, really, on, <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, so, uh, no, go on, let, let them in on the secret, let them in on the secret. So, we, just to put you in context, we've gone to Lancashire Cricket Club to listen to uh, Big Sam do a bit of a Q&A thing after the after the lunch and uh, we'd had a couple of couple of beers. Sam's in great form and then he, he's sort of swanning round and he's talking to loads of people, taps him on the shoulder said, Sam, big big Bolton fan here, Henry. Henry chirps up with the following question. I said, uh, and I don't know where it came from, but he just came to me. Like, do you know when you think, oh, have they ever met Big Sam? What would he ask him? And what I asked him was, for the Frank Worthington goal against Ipswich, why were you taking the throw-in as a centre-half? And he went, you know what? 
I've never been asked that before, and I don't know. But what I will tell you is, I, no one remembers that I scored the other goal that game for Bolton, and also his daughter was born that day, uh, born at the, the Royal Bolton Hospital, and then um, at 12 o'clock, and then he had to rush to Burnham Park and play the match. Yes, yes, he was in very, very good form, wasn't he, Sam? Uh, just, I mean, it was a good day. It was a good day. It was, yeah, and I, I don't want to make it so anyone who's listening to this podcast that obviously weren't there, which is the vast majority of our audience, unless Brian Robson <laughs> listens to his podcast. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, that's another thing. Brian Robson, Man United, voted Man United's greatest ever player. You said to me after Sam, you went, do you want to speak to Brian Robson? I went, no, not interested. <laughs> I would have liked five minutes uh, with Justin Morehouse or, or with the uh, the guy from Coronation Street who got the introduction to us uh, rather surreptitiously at the, the start of the day. Um, yeah. It was quite a uh, I can't remember his name. He was also in Early Doors, wasn't he? He and, was, uh, yeah, yeah. Basically, basically, somebody came and tapped, tapped us on the shoulder and said, did you know that this guy from Early Doors and Coronation Street is here? And he was stood directly next to Henry and heard every single word and just basically wandered off and thought, what's the point in me being here, really? Yeah, um, it was awkward. But, was. but hey, that was that was our Friday. But um, as nice as it was, and believe me, it was nice to have five minutes with Big Sam. Bolton have played since then. So last away day, did you go with your fancy dress on? Uh, were you, uh, what were you? Were you the nun or were you the, the Sonic the Hedgehog? Which one were you? I was dressed as a, a slightly uh, overheated, uh, overweight 43-year-old in the, in the <laughs> press box. Um, yeah, it was a nice day. It was a lovely day. It was good to see Bolton fans enjoying themselves. Saw uh, Waluigi. I saw uh, there was somebody dressed as a beer bottle or a banana. I couldn't quite tell which. Uh, there, were, there were lots of bits. Of, uh, there was a shark as well there. Hmm. Um, everybody seemed to be enjoying themselves. And, I mean, you know, I, I just think that this season... It, it has been such... I know last year was awful. There was no fans. Everybody was dying to get back. And there was that kind of like explosion of joy at the start of the season. But I think it's overspilled for Bolton, away from home. The, they've seemed to have enjoyed themselves. And I know we've talked about maybe people overstepping the mark a little bit sometimes. But I think on the whole, the away fans have been so good and so supportive. It's such a, a big weapon that Bolton have got in their arsenal now. And it's a, it's a games like that on Saturday where the home fans, you didn't hear a sausage out of them because the Bolton fans were so loud. It was like being at home. Yeah, well, I think it's it, there's a few things into it. I think I've been, the years leading up to the, the pandemic and what Bolton fans in particular had to go through, we've come out the other side of that. Then we had a great season, well, a great end to the season last year. So I think, uh, yeah, going into this one, there was a lot of optimism. And thinking back to that MK Dons game, they seemed like everyone was there to enjoy themselves. And it's mm. it's definitely continued. And I think minus, you know, around November, December time, it got a bit uh, spiky at, at times. But other than that, I think you're right. I think, um, I, know, I just think it's that fear of missing out at the moment for Bolton fans, despite the fact we're mid-table. Everyone's thinking, well, I want to go because we're going to have a laugh. It's going to be small grounds that I think as a club, Bolton, they're still getting used to a little bit, get, going back to them. Mm. And, um, and yeah, we're playing good football. So it's uh, everyone's enjoying themselves. I'll see you at Forest Green and Exeter already <laughs> next season. It's going to be great, I tell you. Oh, on a Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah. well, I did Exeter on a Tuesday night last time, but I'll leave that for the podcast for next next year. I'll tell you that tale later on. Uh, we did get another win against Cheltenham, 2-1 in the end. 
I mean, they seem to have finished so well, and yet you're looking at the league table, and you're still tenth. I mean, how how is that how is that possible? I don't know how it's possible because it works on a point system, but it just seems like they should be, you know, a little bit higher, a little bit more reward for that. It does, doesn't it? It's a bit, um, I, like, yeah, as you said, the fact is we haven't got enough points to get in the playoffs, so that's fair <laughs> enough. But I'm sure if you if you look at the previous years in League One. I don't think there's been a team finishing in 10th that is going to get past 70 points. Surely that must be, and it mustn't have been many, because normally you're looking at between 50 and, say, 65 for that spot. So if Bolton finished on 73 and still finished 10th, you know, in some seasons, that's enough to get you in the playoffs. Well, that's a good question, and I've actually done an article on that, um, which, I, I mean, it's it's certainly not every season, That's that's for certain. Um, I think it gives them, if memory serves, I think it was nine out of the last 20. If you take the, the, the coronavirus season out of it, I think nine out of 19 seasons, they would be level on points with sixth, point, with sixth place going into the, 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 that kind of final game, or um, they would actually be in the top six. So, yeah, it, ordinarily, on a, on a normal season, you would be very much closer than 10th, but... There's no point complaining about it. I think you've just got to take it as it is. It has been a positive season. You know, even if they don't win at the weekend, and I do think they'll win at the weekend and finish with 73 points, I think it has been a good a good season. But uh, let's let's talk about let's let's get two things out of the way from Cheltenham because it, it was very much an end of season affair. There wasn't much riding on it, but two things came out of it for me. First one, the penalty. One by Dapois Flying, who was brilliant on the day. He was at his absolute mischievous, mischievous best. And then Bakioko got to the ball first. They had a bit of a disagreement on who was taking that penalty. Now, did you see it? Did, or did you see a replay of it? And, and what's, what's your thoughts on it? Um, well, actually, I, I've not seen... I've seen Dapo be fouled. And then, uh, because, I, as I said, I was at a wedding. So, I, I haven't seen in between that and then Bakioko scoring. Right. So I can't comment on that. I think um, I think since Doyle left, there has been that sort of place for someone to take the penalties. And I know we didn't actually have a penalty from when Doyle left until the Portsmouth game, I think, when Sadlier took it. Mm-hmm. And I know then Sadlier and Charles kind of were fighting over it. So, um, I mean, it's encouraging that everyone's wanting to take one. You know, in some teams, you've got no one wanting to take it. Uh, so it is encouraging with that, but I think it is something that needs to be addressed. And maybe, you know, Ian Everett and maybe the management team and the players have figured, well, we'll address that in the summer and then next year we'll have a like a top five priority of who's taking them. Mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, you were there. You saw what happened. Like, for for anyone who wasn't there, so how did it go down? Was it more, was more made of it than what, what it was or was it, did it get a little bit heated? I wouldn't say it was heated, but basically Dapo goes sprawl, and the the guy who he tormented the fullback, whose name escapes me now, but he absolutely rinsed him, and he ended up getting almost ankle tapped. They, they dragged him down in in the area. Dapo obviously first thing he did is hit the floor, got the penalty, then looked for the ball, which had dribbled out towards the Bolton fans, and Bakayoko had followed it and picked it up. Now Dapo ran straight over to uh, Bakayoko, said, "You know, give me the ball." Bakayoko almost at arm's length said, nope, nope, this one's mine. Now, we know now that Dion Charles was meant to take the penalty, but obviously he was off the field at the time. He was, he was substituted. As you mentioned there, Kieran Sadlier has also taken penalties. I don't 
was he on the pitch? I don't think he was on the pitch. I think he got subbed, didn't he? So it was a bit of a free-for-all there. You'd like to think that they've got kind of a system of like, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth. Maybe that only happens on Football Manager. But, <laughs> but um, you know, both of them are at the top of the goal-scoring charts. You could see both of them thinking, right, one more dead-easy goal to add to my tally here. Yeah. You know, I, I, it... it I, I think it's good. I think it's a positive thing that people are grabbing the ball and I'm having this penalty. You need your strikers to be selfish about goals. Um, you really do, or else otherwise it just doesn't work, does it? No, and that's the that's the thing that, um, I mean, we've discussed before on the whole players scoring 12 or more. This is the first time possibly this millennium that we've had more than one player score over 12 goals mm -hmm. in a season. So to have um, two of them and then both of them showing that they want to continue it, they'll, they'll have their own personal milestones that they want to get to. Uh, Dapo scored against Accrington, but other than that, he's not scored in a while. So maybe he wanted to end the season on a high like that. But I, I guess it only becomes a problem if Bakioko had missed and he didn't, just mm -hmm. like sadly against Portsmouth. So... I guess for now, we just take it as it is. I'm sure they've got a plan for if we get a penalty against Fleetwood. I'll be honest with you, I'm desperate for Charles to score. So mm. uh, even even if we have to reinvent the rules of football and bring him back on off the subs bench, <laughs> then I'm, I'm happy to do that. But um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I guess, um, you know, everyone would love Bakayoko to score seven at the weekend and hit his 20 goal target. So uh, maybe if we. <laughs> Um, if we do get six or seven penalties, maybe Bakayoko can have them. Yeah, yeah, and it was uh, two thousand. It was the it was the promotion year, the the playoff year. At Preston, uh, two thousand two thousand one. The last time two players got a dozen goals, it was Ricketts and Dean Holdsworth. If memory serves. Um, so the other big talking point for Cheltenham was very late in the game, and this I think was a flash in the pan. Um, Trafford mistake. He, he basically he went he went to make a clever pass down the middle of the pitch. Both his centre halves were kind of spread, leaving a big chasm down the middle. Ball got turned over really quickly. All of a sudden, everybody's on the back foot. The guy uh, Ramsey cuts through the middle, and it's two one. Five minutes of injury time to play. All of a sudden, there's nerves in the game that they were absolutely streaking at one stage. Uh, something to learn for him. Yeah, possibly. I think we we put it in the the bracket of the MK Dunn's second goal as well. But I mean, this is the the um, you know this is the what could happen with the way that Bolton play. I think mm. arguably this one there was probably could have been an easier pass than what he tried to do. So yeah, he he would have to learn. Maybe if it was nil nil or it was one nil, he wouldn't have attempted that. But um, yeah, I guess he's he just got to learn from it. Right, well, considering we are coming to the end of a season that means absolutely nothing at the moment, I haven't had one single blank page this week, so let's have a look at some headlines. News. Well, um, speaking of uh, Dapo, we'll get on to Trafford as well. There's been rumours about his transfer um activity potentially in the summer but in terms of Dapo and Santos again uh, we're talking about them as we're probably going to do throughout the summer uh, Ian Everett has said that if anyone's going to have big pockets uh, sorry deep pockets to 
to purchase them. Um, you say stupid money. What would stupid money be for you? Well, this is the interesting thing. So I think that there is uh, possibly a bit of a discrepancy between what the fans think is stupid money and what I think is stupid money for League One players. Now, I think a lot of people seem to think you're going to get five million plus for a player. Uh, whether it be Dapo or the, uh, probably not Santos because obviously he's got slightly less on his contract. Um, I would be very surprised if they can get that sort of money for a player at League One level. You don't see it very often at all. So I, I did a bit of digging earlier in the in the week on, on transfer fees at League One level and you have a handful of players that have gone for really big fees. Fabian Delph, uh, Adam Ola Luckman, uh, which was about £8 million. Um, I think Paddy McNair is about £5 million. And he went he went as Sunderland were getting relegated from the Championship, so he was a League One player effectively, but he went to Middlesbrough. That's the most expensive centre-half. Nick Powell went to United for about £6.5 quid. Um, but these were, generally speaking, 19, you know, 18, 19-year-old players. You don't get many of the age that Santos is at 26 or Dapo is at 24, making that sort of, of move, it really doesn't happen. Um, in fact, I think I said, I, I looked at the, the centre-halves age 26 and over, the most expensive was actually 1.7 million quid. It was Gareth McCauley, um, who went from Leicester to Ipswich, I think it was. Um, the, I, I think, you know, at the moment, silly money is anything... Maybe beyond two and a half, three million for Dapo, and I think you know a bit less than that for for Rico. They're big, they're big fees, they're huge fees in in terms of what Bolton could do with that money. Uh, but I don't think it's silly money in in terms of what Bolton have attracted in the past. So I just think we need to be a bit careful with that. And and you know, were a deal to happen, there can't be this huge backlash as if we were going to be able to charge seven, eight million pounds for Dapo or etc. Because I just don't think that's going to be possible in this market. Yeah, I would uh, I would probably uh, reluctantly agree with you on that. Obviously, I was a Bolton fan. I do hope that we can get uh, ten million for Dapo and eight for Santos. But realistically, you're right; it's not going to happen. And especially if you think that. Both of them, really, uh, if you look at their careers, have only had, uh, especially Dapo, he's had one season, one successful season in League mm-hmm. One. He had half a successful season in League Two. So, realistically, he, like you said, he's not. if he was 17, then yeah, people look at him and go, right, well, we're willing to pay it. But at 24, you don't know if anyone is. And I think the only people willing to pay it would be those uh, at the bottom half of the championship who were shopping in a different pool to what everyone else is. Mm. So, if you if you say to me, well, San, would you would you recommend Santos and Afalayan, as I said last week, going to a bottom half championship club? Then no, I wouldn't. So it's possibly probably the best off where they are, unless it is for stupid money. Yeah, one one thing I, I would say is that I don't think. Still, I still stand by it. I don't think either of those two players are looking to go anywhere. I don't think they will go anywhere this summer. And also, I think you would be able to get, you know, stupid money, air quotation marks, if Bolton were a championship club. So if Dapo goes and, and, and you know, blasts the championship, then yes, you are talking about those sort of money, the, the money that we've been talking about on social media and get banded about by the supporters. If Dap, if uh, Rico goes and, you know, blasts it again in the championship, then of course, 
they you are talking about a completely different ball game. But as a League One player, different story. Another headline, Henry. Uh, yeah, well, James Trafford is another man who's uh, I think we're going to see throughout the summer this transfer saga continue. Uh, this time he's been linked with Anderlecht. Of course, he's uh, he's um, he's the team that own him. Essentially, lack of a better term, Man City will have close links with Vincent Company's Anderlecht. Um, this it's kind of come out of the blue a little bit. Do you see this one happening, or do you think he'll stay in England? I think he'll stay in England. I, I, I think I think Al Nixon was the one that uh, that put this out there on his Patreon thing, um, which you know. I, Stranger things have happened, Henry. Stranger things have happened. But I've got to be honest, uh, Traff didn't want to go to Spain or Holland or France when he had the chance at the start of this season. He wanted to go to Accrington because it was near to his family. <laughs> I mean, he must be you know. the only person to have made that choice. <laughs> well, look, look, you know, people, he's, he's 19 years old. You know, he is, you know, he's, he's got a very close family and uh, and I, I know that they come and support him and, and, and come and watch the games. Um, that's important to him. So that is that is fine. I think the, the move to Bolton was equally good for him because obviously it kept him local. It keeps him in City's eye line as well, obviously being local as well. So I would be very surprised if that, you know, I never say never, but I would be very surprised if the, James Trafford's next move is to go to go and sit on the bench or even in a, a youth team at Anderlecht because Anderlecht mm. have got a Belgian international goalkeeper who's the club captain, by the way. Um, he's not going anywhere. So, mm-hmm. you know, it would be a very odd move to go and sit and twiddle your thumbs in Belgium. Yeah, as we said, um, you know, I know we look at Bolton and we roast into glasses, but I, for Trafford, I don't see... Unless he gets his move to the Championship, which personally I don't think he's ready for just yet, I don't think there's any team better than us for him at the moment if he's going to go out on loan again. So, um, hopefully, it'll all end in a happy ending for, for Bolton. Uh, another man we hope is going to end happily for Bolton is Marlon Fossey. And uh, I believe there's been some progress on the talks with this one. Yeah, we spoke with Ian Everett about how things were going. And... Uh, reading between the lines, I would say that he he was waiting for Fulham's promotion to get rubber stamped, and if that happened, then Fulham, who have gone up and down like a yo-yo club, I think for the last couple of uh, years in the Premier League to Championship, it sounds like they're going to put a bit of money in it this summer, and it looks as if the the back line is is where they're looking to strengthen because they've got quite a few of sort of older players there Tim Ream being one of them of course mm. so i think it looks as if they're going to maybe look to move up a level marlon only got a year left in his contract hasn't played any first team football at fulham or at championship level they are very happy with him and i think you know, they've been the, the fact that they kept him around through injuries and and in the under 23 shows you that, that obviously they rate him as a player but I think it be it would be a very big leap to say, right, now you're going to become a regular in a first team at Premier League level at wing-back, which is obviously a very demanding position. So uh, I still think Bolton hold the cards on this one. I still think whatever deal they agreed was contingent on, you know, this would happen if you go up, this would happen if you stay at the Championship. They've gone up. I think now a permanent deal looks a pretty good shout now in my opinion excellent well that's 
what we want to hear. Um, and hopefully he'll be in the squad in time for Bolton heading to Portugal, uh, oh, yes. which they've announced as well. Um, a, a little. So he's not necessarily at all where he's going to play matches, is it? It's going to just be a camp as as they head into the new uh, the new sort of as they then head into the pre-season friendlies for the new season. Yeah, they're coming back really early. I think it was June 16th. So there is only six weeks between the Fleetwood game finishing and then the pre-season actually starting. So that's actually quite a, a short gap. So back on June 16th of pre-season testing, three days later, out to a, a training camp in the Algarve. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good thing. A few people have questioned whether or not it's a waste of money. We're not asking you to pay for it. I, you know, I think I think Sharon has probably decided on that based upon a budget that she's set, and that's where they're deciding to go. Um, I'm happy because I think I'm going to be going over there with them. I, I don't I don't ever trust when clubs say they're not going to play games either. By the way, because Dougie Friedman did that. They went over. I think it was San Sebastian in Spain and said, "Oh no, we're not going to play any games." And then all of a sudden, I was seeing match reports on the website. So. I, I'm going to go there. I'm going to stick to them like limpets. If I happen to catch some, you know, some rays and uh, have a couple of glasses of wine whilst I'm over there at the same time, so be it. But I think it's important as local reporter that I bring you absolutely on the spot news. Don't you, Henry? Yeah, yeah. And if there is room for a, a buff podcast on tour, then don't forget, I, you know, I know you've treated me this year to meeting Big Sam, but we can use that as next year's treat if you want. <laughs> I've got a very big suitcase. You can always sneak in that. <laughs> um, right, now moving on to something that is involving the world of football, not just Bolton Wanderers, even though for most that is the world of football. Mm. Uh, so it's about the independent regulator for football. The government has announced they're going to be sorting one out. Um, what do you think this means for Bolton? What are the pros and what are the cons? Because I've heard mixed things from those within the game. Yes, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think there's a lot of... Uh, uh, the disagreement certainly within the Premier League the Premier League were quite against it I don't think they want any any government uh, officials sticking the nose in or even independent people sticking the nose in the way that they run their clubs uh, but we haven't seen too many Premier League clubs hit the wall because they're all right Jack they've got the money up there uh, the ones that can be exploited are the ones on the other side of the fence including Bolton in recent years of course um, and, and Berry and, and clubs like that, Oldham, we've just seen have been relegated and, and, and facing their own problems. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this is an interesting one. I, I don't know about government involvement is my only issue. You know, if they were running everything else really well, I wouldn't have an issue. But the idea of government using this as some sort of voting mechanism and, and, and kind of a, a popularity contest. Seeing Boris Johnson, uh, you know, putting lines around Gig Lane the other day made me a little queasy, I'll be completely honest. Mm. I don't like to see that. If they, you know, if they want to help, great, but let's keep it in, you know, in, in the arena of... Uh, the, the, the commons or whatever it might be where it's going to make some difference it, using it as a PR stunt I don't like and that's what I feel like it has been doing um, it, within the game there are obviously concerns about well when's it actually going to happen uh, it looks like it's going to be 2024 so that in itself is a problem because it means there's going to be another couple of years that people could theoretically exploit the, the, the issues and the, the, the owners tests the EFL tell us that they're already trying to put an enhanced one in there um, so maybe that won't be an issue. Uh, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of question marks. I know the Bolton Wanderers Supporters Trust have obviously backed it. They were one of the trusts at the front of discussing the fan led review 
and pushing it through uh, Parliament at the time. They've done a lot of work on that. Um, I am going to be sitting down with them and, and talking about how it might affect Bolton Wanderers directly. But at the moment, of course, we're 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 fit, sitting pretty in terms of ownership, aren't we? We're, there's not a, a vast amount of um, of problems that we could raise. Uh, but other clubs, you know, you look around, there, there certainly are a couple that you would think uh, could benefit from from having an independent regulator to say you've got to get your house in order. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because I know I was um, listening to Talk Sport the other day and I know Gary Neville is somebody who's a real advocate of this, but then many in the EFL would point out, including mm. Simon Jordan, that uh, Salford are hardly the... Uh, the best example to look at with living within your means. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting few years. I mean, I'll be honest with you, everything about this re- seems to me that it's going to be a, one of those situations where nothing happens. You know, it's it's we've, had, we've seen a few of these regarding football and like you said, it's point scoring by uh, the government and then nothing ends up happening. So, it wouldn't surprise me if that were the case. But it also doesn't surprise me that the Premier League aren't too keen on it. To be honest, because no. uh, if uh, if I was earning as much as I was of a club, my club was earning as much as it was in the Premier League, then uh, you wouldn't really want anyone coming in and changing that, would you? Well, and also you've got to look at it from their point of view as well. They are a huge product, you know. They they have built a huge product there. The, the sponsorship and the you know everything that they've, they've got, they have built. It hasn't you know it's been hard work in a sense. So for for somebody for a government to say right now we're going to alter that I can understand that you know they there would be some sort of pushback on it it's not like they don't give any money to the EFL um, it's just you know there are a lot of people on this side of the fence that think it's it's wrongly distributed and and certainly parachute payments I mean they still make me uh, scratch my head people keep on telling me that Huddersfield Town are punching above their weight and doing really well hundred million pounds of parachute payments since they left the Premier League. That's all I've got to say on that matter. Well, moving on. And uh, to to more lighter news, and you've discovered, you've been working this out, you've been looking at the stats, and it's official. Bolton Wanderers are better than Real Madrid. That is correct. Bolton Wanderers are better than Real Madrid. It is official. Um, we're not, you know, we're not being serious here um, before the Wigan fans start emailing in to me. Um, we're talking about goals in the last... 15 minutes of games basically so what i did there's a, a site called soccerstats.com that give keep this information um on the top 29 european competitions so it's most of the the major european countries top division second division and in in kind of england's case the kind of top four divisions five divisions i did national league as well um so i looked down every single one of them looked at who was concede sorry who's scoring goals late on and it turns out Bolton Wanderers have outscored everybody 26 goals between the 26th and the 90th minute second Real Madrid third Ajax and fourth Fulham now and, and fifth Nottingham Forest now Nottingham Forest and Fulham played the other night I can't remember whether there was a late goal in that one so that might have changed a little bit um, I don't think the I think the Forest scored quite early on, yeah. So between the seventy sixth and the ninetieth, isn't it? So yeah. 
Yeah, I think it was before that. Right, well, that's fine. That's not changed. I don't have to. I don't have to change my graphic. Um, I was a bit peeved actually that uh, people started just, cut, just basically cutting and copying my graphic and sending it around the internet themselves. Really peeved me off that because it took me about five hours to compile that, and people were just basically sharing it like it was theirs. That really annoyed me. But anyway. It is what it is. Um, it is good news. I mean, it, what it does mean is that I've done more late rewrites of my match reports than any other local reporter in the whole of Europe. Um, mm. I, I don't even blink now. I don't even start anything until 76 minutes. I just I just leave it all to the end. There's no point. Um, but as a fan, Henry, that's what keeping you coming back, surely. Nobody is going towards that car park until they've seen a goal. Yeah, well, there's a few that do, and it surprises me every week. Um, but yeah, it's it's a sign of a good team, I think. You know, for years, Man United was seen as uh, you know the old Fergie time. They always score at the the end, but it is a sign of a sign of a good team. They can, and we're learning to capitalize on on little errors or when the other the opposition just drop uh, drop things by five percent naturally. That happens towards the end of games. Um, so yeah, it's it's very good. Hopefully, we can take that into next next season because if if our squad does get better, you'd think that we'd be higher up the table, and those late goals could really become valuable to us. Hallelujah! Have we got a headline? Any more? Uh, yeah, the last one. Yeah, the last one, and it is uh, as we round off the season this weekend. Of course, we've got the Fleetwood match, but after that on Sunday, it is the end of season awards. Um, it's nice that they've now moved it to the day after the last game. Of course, we remember when the uh, end of season awards were on the same day as we got relegated one year. Oh yes, uh, which <laughs> which would have been a barrel of laughs. But no, I think this one will be a bit more jovial. Even though we've not got promoted, there's still lots to be positive about. Uh, there's some awards being handed out as well, um, so it should be a good night. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I may. I may bring this back in a segment we may or may not have next. Uh, but um, yes, it should be a celebration. Yes, the people should be there. Fans should enjoy their night because it has been a positive season. Um, but I, I wanted to pick your brains because, uh, you, you know, as, as the resident Nostradamus on the Buff podcast, um, you should be able to get this right. Who do you think will be the player of the year for Bolton Wanderers this year? Oh, this is a... I'm probably going to just go with Santos, to be honest. I think Afalayan has been very good. I think he's he's uh, took to this league very well. I just think the drop of form after Christmas might go against him. Uh, so this is a it's a, a fans vote, isn't it? This I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you know, if it's a fans vote, I'm sure Marlon Fossey will go higher up <laughs> in the voting. Uh, Bakayoko will be high up in the voting. Um, I think, yeah, I think overall, I'd probably go with Santos based on a, a collective over the season. You know, he, he's made one or two errors. He's been sent off twice. But I think overall, he's, uh, what he's, he's uh, you know, Bolton are better at the back with him there. He's, he's got that calm head on his shoulders. And I think as well, he's, his strength, I don't see another defender as strong as him in the league. So I think, uh, yeah, I'd probably give it to Santos again. Um, as the... Uh, as the the you can put a level headedness on this as a journalist, would you go with Santos or have I missed someone out there? Do you know what? I think there's a dark horse in this. I think Gethin Jones has got a shout. That's a good yeah, it's a good shout actually. Yeah, Gethin Jones, Gethin Jones is the is the Belgium in this equation. Uh, <laughs> he's just you know, it's, I, I I mean talking about being a better team when he's in the team. 
uh, with Santos. I mean, Jones, his stats are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, so mm. I, yeah, I do. As one of our uh, emailers um, wrote in last week, of course, and we, we pulled the stats out for him. I can't. He's only had about two or three defeats, I think, since uh, uh, since he came back from injury. So uh, yeah, I, I think he's got half a chance, as you say. Dapo's got half a chance. I mean, judging from the the survey that we did at the Bolton News, uh, Ricardo Santos finished top of that one. So that is quite a good preamble, I suppose. It's kind of like the. Uh, the BAFTAs to the Oscars, you kind of you, you get a little idea of what people are thinking. Um, but there are uh, there are surprises. It has been known when Adam Bogdan won uh, Player of the Year, um, we were all surprised. Um, not least Adam Bogdan, um, he was absolutely <laughs> flabbergasted. Um, but yes, it's uh, it's going to be a good night. I think it's going to be a good night. I think there's lots uh, lots to celebrate this season. Goal of the season is going to be interesting, I think, as well. I, I'm not a really. I looked through some of the um, nominations on the the Bolt Mondra's website the other day, and I can't pick my favourite. I think it's Fossey, but I, I'm really not sure. There's been some great goals. There has, yeah. I was trying to. I was trying to think myself. I think uh, I would, and I can't remember who I voted for. I might have voted for Dion against Shrewsbury, to mm, be honest. But um, yeah, I was the Apple Lions put a few away. I've got to say, one of my favourite goals, and he wasn't here. He wasn't in the reckoning because of who it was. I really liked Sarsovic against uh, Shrewsbury. Who? When he, uh, uh, yeah, the, he used to play for. He played one or two games for us at the start of the year. But um, yeah, I really liked that one. But that weren't uh, obviously. He's not going to be picking it up, is he? So that weren't in the. Uh, <laughs> In the voting, I would um, love it. By the way, I would just love it if if he was in there, won the, and then he has to do one of those like satellite link things from Marple <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you're right, mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Saying hi, everyone. Hope you're having a good night. Apart from Ian Everett. Yeah. Well, um, uh, yeah, we have had some good goals. I mean, we scored seventy of them, so we must have we must have had some good ones in there. God, seventy goals, seventy goals. Bolton Wanderers, yeah. 70 goals, 70 goals, <laughs> I say. Right, okay, enough of this hilarity. He is back. He is back because Dave from Florida sent me an email to say thanks. It's his favourite bit of the show. It is the, the part of the show that I know as AOBK. Yes, it's all right or Barry Knight every week. Not every week, but for the last couple of weeks, me and Henry yeah. have picked one good thing and one bad thing from Bolton Wanderers. Um, so this week, Henry, you can start off. Are you going to pick a, a good or a bad thing for start us off with? Uh, I'll pick a good thing. And to be honest, I, I think this week, even though you've had a lot to talk about in the newspaper, I'm scraping the barrel a bit, to be honest. I think mean, everyone's got that end of season. It's like the last week of school when you don't, <laughs> do anything just um, colouring in and then making cards for your mum yeah exactly um, so my alright is going to be uh, it's basically we mentioned before that we were at that event with Big Sam the other day and just uh, my alright is not me meeting him of course but uh, just the way he spoke about Bolton Wanderers both mm. playing and then managing um, you know he, every time I hear him talk about Bolton he, he speaks with such uh, pride and such love for the club and, um, you know, it genuinely was nice to hear and he still has that feeling towards the club. So, yeah, big Sam, who never 
uh, you know, he will never be forgotten. Who knows? Maybe in the future, uh, there might be a, a statue outside the ground next to Nat Lofthouse of Big Sam in his, in his suit uh, pointing at, I don't know, Ivan Campo. But, um, oh, yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh, it's in, uh, but yeah, that was that's my all right. Just uh, hearing Big Sam again. Would you would you have him in suit with headset on, like kind of early Premier League Sam, or would you have him down touchline Sam, like kind of like the post, like the, the later stages of because he was very much touchline based towards the end. He didn't do too much up in the up in the skies as he did early on. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd as, as funny as it would be having a. a, a a statue that sat down, um, <laughs> you know, maybe the, the chair that Phil Gartside was normally in can be left empty so people can sit in it and, uh, and have a photo. <laughs> with it. the he big bugged sound. off for a cigarette by that point. He was too nervous. He was a terrible <laughs> watcher, Phil was. I don't know. Um, I'd probably go with a standing up one. Standing up and pointing at the pitch. Yeah, barking at the pitch. That's that's the way we remember Sam. Um, right, OK. Well, my all right is uh, the fact that on Saturday, there should be a lap of honour and a lap of appreciation, and mm. a deserved one as well. For I mean, it seems like quite a while since we had, and obviously they had something to celebrate last season. Nobody really got to see it. I know there are a few people outside the ground, and then obviously the hotel later on. But a good bona fide lap of appreciation. Haven't had one since maybe, you know, I can't, did we did we do one after staying up? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. It felt a bit weird that one. Day. It yeah. felt a bit weird. I know everybody was celebrating staying up, but actually, do you celebrate the fact you finished just above the relegation zone? I'm <laughs> not sure. I'm not sure. I, I feel a bit a bit conflicted about that one. But certainly, since uh, the the big one um, after the Peterborough win and Parkinson's team staying up, it feels like ages. It'd be a nice occasion. I hope this good weather. I hope loads of people. I was speaking with the club today. They reckon at, at the moment about fifteen, sixteen thousand. Uh, to turn up, so it's going to be a good day. I think it's going to be a good day, and uh, obviously, um, it would be nice to finish with a win as well. But are you going to be there uh, celebrating with them, clapping them off? Yeah, I'll be. Uh, I'll be there for one last time this season, and um, uh, yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I think it'd be well deserved, um, and uh, I think it'd just be nice. It's, it's always nice, isn't it? It's nice to see them when they're walking around the pitch with the kids and. Uh, the families and um, and yeah, we can clap them off into the sunset that is, uh, I don't know, Marbella or Vegas or wherever they're going to go. They're all going to Dubai. They, I mean, I don't know what the fascination is. I've been and it's not that great. But anyway, hmm. anyway. Um, right, bring us down, Henry. Give us a Barry Knight. Well, my again, I'm scraping the barrel a bit. Well, my Barry Knight is the fact that it's the end of the season and uh, we're putting in one of our best runs of the season and uh, now it's coming to an end just without, I mean, we could win. We'd be unbeaten in what eight matches, and uh, there's nothing. We finish tenth, and that's it. We walk on, and it's the momentum all goes. So yeah, that's my Barry night. Is I wish the season was a a month or two longer. Oh, you'd have you'd have me work longer, would you? It's, you don't you don't think I qualify for a post season at all? Just you're going to Portugal. Quarters. You're going to Portugal, mate. You don't get to. 
<laughs> Look, we need rest too as journalists. <laughs> Honestly, we do. Um, need to recharge the batteries. Um, no, that's fair enough. I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think momentum necessarily does drop off. I think I think it's actually quite a close preseason, as we mentioned. It's not even going to feel five minutes until we're back and talking about preseason friendlies and doing all that again. Uh, and obviously, signings start and and pe- the buzz starts quite quickly this time. So. I, I, you'll barely miss the football, I can guarantee that. Um, my Barry Knight for this week is the end of season awards. Strange, though I've just bigged it up and says it's going to be a good night. For for me in particular, I hate it. Um, it's it's a horrible night to work uh, because everybody else is, is having a drink and enjoying themselves and having a meal and such like, and we are running around like the proverbial blue flies trying to talk to players who sometimes don't want to talk to you because all they want to do is have a drink. Um, and sometimes they can be hard to catch, like Nigel Rio Coca pegged it around the stadium once trying to catch him. Um, honestly, it's a really, really weird night to work. It's really loud. Everybody's enjoying themselves. It's terrible. You can you can do any interview you like. Any interview you like. You can get the best interview in the world. Next day, when you listen to it on, on the dictaphone or on your tape or your phone or whatever you record it on, you can't hear it because the, oh. all you can hear is Euro pop music that they play. So <laughs> I just don't know. It's, it's, a, it's great uh, for people that have got the tickets and will enjoy their night and a drink. For, for people like me, it's... Well, I'm just glad it's not happening after a game. Normally, I walk around like a zombie because like, the adrenaline's all gone and you're just like, oh, I just want to go and get in bed. Um, but no, this, uh, this is on the Sunday, so hey-ho, hey-ho. But uh, after that, then I'll have a nice, a nice lie down and a nap for about six weeks like a bear. Right, this weekend marks the final game of the season. And yes, there's nothing riding on it for Wanderers, but there definitely is for Fleetwood. Uh, they've got to match or better Gillingham's result against Rotherham to stay up. Donny and Wimbledon, well, I mean, they just need a, an absolute mathematical miracle uh, to get anywhere. I don't think that's going to happen, but it certainly is Gillingham or Fleetwood. Henry, are you fussed about sending them down? Uh, not really, no. I mean, it's it's nice that there's something on the game for, you know, it keeps it interesting, but... If it was a, a bigger team with more of an away following, then yeah, you wouldn't really want them celebrating. They might run on the pitch and all of that. Uh, I don't think we'll have that problem with Fleetwood. I don't know how many fans they plan to bring, but I can imagine it's probably the similar amount to what Accrington brought the other week. So about, I don't know, between 500 and 1,000. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, not too, I'm not too fussed. I think... Uh, a lot of fans are hoping that we send them down, and that's fine, and it will be it will be funny. But uh, deep down, if they if they if Gillingham don't get a result and they stay up, then uh, as long as we win, I'm not fussed. From my point of view, you know, I, 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 I'm kind of looking at the clubs that are coming up. So you've got Forest Green and Exeter; they're two long trips. Then you've you, we've definitely going to be losing. Don, Doncaster Rovers and crew they're fairly short trips I know Wimbledon probably will go as well that's longish I think I'd I think I'd rather Fleetwood stay up but that means that they've just got to lose by less I suppose I suppose they could still lose and still stay up that's the mm. ideal that's the ideal Bolton still win on the last day of the season but they lose by less than Gillingham Gillingham get tonked by Rotherham uh, Rotherham then leapfrog everybody into uh, the automatic spaces. Wigan drop down into the, the lottery of the playoffs. And then, 
um, by miracle of miracles, somebody like Wickham go up. Um, oh, that'd be perfect. And then that's another long trip saved. But then I've got to go to Wigan next season, having just said that. Oh, no, let's not bother with that. Um, I think... <laughs> I think, to be fair, Wigan have done enough. I think you've got to begrudgingly accept they've been, you know, probably the best team in the league this season. Um, so, fair play to them. We'll see you uh, in two seasons' time in the Championship. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, but it'll be two seasons' time in the League Cup because we've either been promoted and they've been relegated again. But, um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, to be honest, they have, out of every team I've seen at the, the uh, Uni Ball, they are the best team I've seen. Um it's unfortunate, as in the the Bolton fan inside of me uh, will never forgive MK Dons or Rotherham because they've had enough opportunities over the last three weeks to go above mm. Wigan uh, and they've messed them up. But hey, that's life. And as I said, it's I think what you got to remember with football is that, and this reminds me of when we we stayed up when Wilbram scored and Barnsley went down, and then uh, twelve months later Barnsley were got promoted and we gone down. No matter what happens uh, in each season, we all start again in August and chances are you're in the same league again as some teams come the following August. So, uh, yeah, it's just life of football. But, uh, but no, we've had a good season. So, for our sakes, it's all positive. I was doing some sort of counting up on the the points totals for sixth place teams in, in the League One playoffs to to decide, you know, just, just put into context how well Bolton have done this season and whether it would get them close to playoff normally. And looking at some of the clubs that have made the playoffs in the last 20 years, it's incredible to see where they are now. I mean, you're talking your Hartlepools could have been in the Championship. Oldham could have been in the Championship. Scunthorpe just got out of the Football League. Southend out of the Football League. Stevenage, Chesterfield with Ian Everett playing as well. And Chesterfield was only as um, 2015, was barely any time ago at all. So it it's amazing how fast football changes. And, uh, you know, uh, Bolton have been in a, a really bad place. But actually, you know, in the next couple of years, it could all be sweetness and light again. And you just got to keep on holding on to that kind of positive thought, really. I suppose that's the that's the trick, really. Always believing it can be better. Um, it's what keeps us coming back. It does. Uh, somebody pointed out the other day, actually, the uh, the season we went up from League One. If you remember in the playoffs, you had Fleetwood, like it's a mm. scum fart. Fleetwood, who were going to possibly go down. Bradford are in League Two. Mm. Um, and I think Mill Millwall went got promoted. So it was only Millwall and Sheffield United who, who won the league. They've actually uh, are actually in a better situation now than then. So yeah, and look at, it look just at shows. Sheffield United as well. In, in, in the previous few years before that, Sheffield United could not get out of League One. And yet mm. they got up, I think, the following season, didn't they? And then went into the Premier League. Had a had a marvelous time up in the Premier League, and and I know they kind of they got relegated in their Championship club again now, but you know that can happen, it can happen, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, that's what uh, that's what the dream's all about, really. Um, but uh, all I care about is that the duck comes back that uh, got onto the pitch at Fleetwood. I just hope that he's in the away end. Um, he stopped emailing, he stopped calling, he won't pick up the phone. Um, we need to talk. That's all I'm saying. So. <laughs> It's uh, time for question of the week. And last week we asked Dapoff Lion about Frank Worthington's goal and what he was like if he, what he would do rather if he was gaffer for the day. Whether it worked or not, I don't know. We've not had any real uh, engagement on whether the segment worked. Did, did you listen to it, Henry? Did it work for you? 
I think it did, yeah. It was nice. Uh, it's just a nice little uh, bit of... Like, we're recording this on Wednesday. So, yeah, if we can... Um, I, I obviously won't know this week what the question is or what you ask. Not but me. I think uh, it's, uh, it's nice because it gives me another reason. I, I listen anyway. Um, but sometimes I think, well, I've heard it all. So this gives me a personal reason to listen to hear what the question and answer is going to be. Well, there's even more intrigue this week because I don't know who I'm talking to. I've lined up three interviews for Thursday. Um, Kieran Sadlier looks like he's going to be the player. Ian Everts doing his press conference at half past four on Thursday. So I will be speaking to him. I think that's pretty much set in concrete. And I'm also hoping to get uh, a sit down with Simon Marlon, the, the club secretary who is retiring at the end of the season after uh, years, light years of service to the club, absolute club stalwart. Um, everybody should know Simon Marlon because he's the guy that basically makes the club tick. Um, so I will tweet something out on Thursday morning. And um, this podcast is coming out on Friday, so I don't know why I'm telling you that. That's completely superfluous information as far as the listener is concerned. Uh, but we're going to fill this space, and, and I'm going I'm to start it, and I'm going to count you in with a question to be preordained on Thursday morning. Three, two, one, here it is. Last minute edit, the question was answered by Kieran Sadlier. Enjoy. Or I, uh, before I forget to ask it, yeah. we've got a fans question for you. It's dead, yeah, easy. Sure. dead easy. Um, it's from Luke James, um, and he's asked, uh, who is the most technically gifted player you've played with in your career? Most technically gifted player I've ever played with? Um, played with? Played with? Oh, yeah, yeah, played with. Played with in the same squad. Um, right, you made. The first player that comes to mind for Ravel Morrison. Oh, yeah. He's a West Ham. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see him now. I still see him actually. I see him. I saw him the other day in Manchester because he's from up here. Um, he's the first player that comes to mind. He was in the under 23s at, or the under 21s at West Ham for a bit. Mm. Just trained with us quite a lot. Played a few games. Um, Joe Cole. Yeah, he was bad. He came. He played with us. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a few players to be fair. I'd say most of the players that like dropped down from the first team at West Ham. Yeah. That came and played in the reserves. Um, apart from that, players like apart from since West Ham, um, yeah, Jack Grealish. Yeah, he's, he's done he's, right. He's actually, in, <laughs> <laughs> he was in my Ireland team. All oh, right, okay. In my Ireland under 19s before he swapped. Did he look like he was going to go on to that next? I mean, you could tell he was a very good player. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, he was uh, he was in my team for a few trips. Crikey. Um, I've got that, actually. Yeah, those three, to be fair. Good How big were his cards at that age, by the way? Yeah, still the same. No, those three good players, aren't they? So. I think that's answered the question pretty well. Yeah. That's pretty well. And now we're back. What a fantastic question that was, Henry. Yeah, and that person uh, really answered it very well. That person really answered it very well, and thanks to that person for sending it to us as well, because uh, that really was, that was almost as good as your question, Sam Allardyce, to be fair. Yeah, well, it, unless it's, this is the thing is that for future episodes, um, unless it's a question that they've never been asked before, then, uh, you know, you're going to have to up your game. They're always going to be compared to your question, really. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like, uh, it's like every interviewer is always going to be compared to Frost versus Nixon. Yeah, ironically, it's like every Bolton manager being uh, compared to Big Sam. <laughs> yeah, fair point. 45 years ago, 
Frost, Frost versus Nixon, by the way. I know I know because I was looking at it for my retro match this week. Not the Frost versus Nixon. Uh, it was Bolton versus Hereford United, but it happened on the same day as the Frost versus Nixon interview was aired. So there we go. Right. Um, right. So normally we end the show with a bit of culture, um, but there's no song this week and there's no poem this week. I have got a couple in stock, but I'm not, not going to air them. But because we're going to bring you some even more stirring stuff, some stuff that I hope will bring tears to your eyes. 25 years ago, Bolton Wanderers said goodbye to Burnham Park. And so that is what we're going to play you out with today. Um, I don't think there's anything better that we could possibly do. I'm going to put together a few clips, a few sounds, a few uh, a few memories from Burnden. And, uh, well, join me in raising a glass because uh, I've been on the old Big Sam wine through this podcast. Don't know whether you've noticed, but anyway. Um, until next week, I have been a nice drop of Malbec Mark Isles. And I have been Owen Cole's favourite drink, I am Brew, Henry Hewitt. And this has been <laughs> The Buff. Lofty the Lion, the mascot here, has been doing his best to whip up the enthusiasm of the troops. He really has rallied the crowd at half-time, and the game kicks off for the second period with the atmosphere given new vibrancy. Something to cling on to. Sellers takes the free kick, McGinley was going for it. Clear to Alan Thompson! And what a cracking start to the second half! That's more like it. Bolton back in the game. Sellers cross. Taggart. Goal. It may have started badly, but Bolton have turned it around. And could this be the goal that lets them leave Brandon Park celebrating? Two, it's 4-1 Bolton.